You're listening to the Copenhagen Liberty Podcast by Cepos, an independent free market think tank based in Copenhagen. Continue listening for inspiring conversations with experts and thinkers about economics, politics and society. Your host is Cepos president Martin Overup. Welcome to the podcast. Today's guest is Joost de Blok, uh, who is the founder of uh, uh, and CEO of uh, Birdsock, which is a Dutch organization with more than 10,000 employees offering community-based home care services to more than 70,000 patients. Uh, the Birdsock model is spreading throughout the world, really, to countries like Sweden, the US, Belgium, Japan, China, etc., Germany, Scotland, UK. And uh, recently, Denmark has made a first attempt at implementing the Birdsock model as well. You went to to um, Denmark recently for a conference uh, hosted by the Prime Minister. Um, so there's a lot of attention uh, to the Birdsock model. So thanks a lot, Juster Block, for, for, for joining us. Um, just on um, Juster Block uh, uh, as a person, um, he's a nurse by education. And before he established uh, Birdsock, he had several senior management positions in home care organizations. But you left those. And yeah. you um, and you joined uh, and and you started Birdsock. So I would I would um, call you a care service entrepreneur or a welfare state entrepreneur. Okay, so we have Steve Jobs, who is a sort of <laughs> okay uh, IT entrepreneur, and you you're a welfare state entrepreneur. Would you, do you like that that title? Oh, I I don't uh, usually I don't spend so much time on titles so i don't I, i'm a nurse well let's call uh, it a description instead <laughs> and uh, yeah I, I but i you know entrepreneur also I, i i think it was needed to change some things in healthcare and yeah. i had some, some ideas about how it could be done in an entrepreneurial way but i'm i don't see myself as a businessman or an entrepreneur so but okay. i think i developed some skills in my life as community health nurse, which are very useful for what I'm doing now. Yeah. Okay, I want to jump straight into, um, there are a lot of podcasts out there where you uh, spend some time explaining about your life, and that's great, and people can Google that uh, or find it on the pod- podcast app. So I want to skip straight into what is Talk actually? Um, what are the central elements of the uh innovation you have brought to care services for the elderly and why has that been successful? Yes, for me, um, uh, Bussoch is a way of uh, dealing with problems of patients who have um, uh, severe uh, healthcare problems. Um, so people who are terminal ill, people who uh, have chronic diseases, people who um, are discharged from hospital. And it's it's a way of dealing with these problems, uh, which is focusing on outcome and on results. So we said, in many healthcare systems, you see that uh, healthcare professionals are delivering activities, um, and usually the systems pay for activities. And uh, I said, the process you're going into with with a patient is the most important element of what's happening. So you can't predict yet what are the activities you are going to deliver. Going to deliver. So let's focus on just the process and try to focus on the result of this process uh, in in a way that you can see the, the quality and, and but also the, the quantity, the, the costs of this process. Right. 
so I, I simplified the whole process. So I said it's not about the, the different activities. So the, the nurses should feel free to do what they think is right and that ask for a certain uh, way of organizing with a lot of autonomy uh, and um, uh, self decision making processes. So this um, the delivery model and the organization model together uh, makes that it that Bützog is a is a very different kind of organization than than normal. So you um, have you have uh, these small teams of are they always twelve people? Are they max twelve? No, we have. Uh, my idea was that if you are working together in a team, then when you get around ten people, it's getting more difficult. Right. So that you should not become bigger than 10, 12 people in a team. Uh, so when teams are growing, then they should um, uh, split up. Uh, when they become bigger than than 12, or just start a new team. So my idea is that self-organizing teams um, can uh, organize everything in a neighborhood themselves. Okay. Um, as long as they're not too big. So, but there are teams of who say we are with eight nurses, and that's also okay. So, okay. so self-organizing. How how literal is that? That you say the self-organizing. Yeah, I think it's you should take it as literal as possible, uh, because I always say it, it's it's a bit like home, that you uh, decide on everything yourself. You see what's going to happen, so you also can ex, uh, have some expectations and what's needed to do. Um, if you do that uh, individually and as a team, then you can see how to manage everything yourself uh, as a person and as a team for the for the coming weeks, the coming months. So so the, the scheduling, uh, the hiring of colleagues, uh, taking care for your own education, Taking care for your own network with uh, with doctors, with physiotherapists, and other uh, professionals, creating a network in the neighborhood, uh, taking care for your own office and furniture and whatever. So, in in every way, um, uh, the the nurses and the teams are organizing everything themselves. Okay, so how is that possible in Holland? Because in Denmark, uh, you have a municipality that decides what what each um, patient uh, in his or her home or you know if, if it's a couple in their home yeah what, what they are entitled to yeah the so, so so there's time allotted to them yeah. and the, the the different teams can't just go out and change that and, yeah. and and you're even a private organization so how is that possible that you can go out and decide for yourselves no we're not going to do this we're going to do that how does that work yeah. no but uh, the the starting point when we started in 2007 was similar in holland so there was an institute and uh, people had to ask this institute for an assessment and when they got the assessment then they got also um the rights for so many hours and these kind of activities and these kind of products. So that was, at that moment, it was a, there was a lot of dissatisfaction about it. Yeah. So a lot of people were frustrated about the bureaucracy in the system. Um, the nurses were very frustrated about that they couldn't do what was needed because there wasn't a separate institute. So the, and if you look at the process, it's similar in, in most countries. 
but what I <laughs> try to show is that when the decision is made by the nurse, it's usually a better decision than when it's done by an institute, because it's not it's not just the this the one moment uh, you need. You need to know what's going on. Uh, on with this patient, if, if it's a uh, uh, woman, man, couple, you need to understand the environment of the of the person who needs something, and then throughout the first weeks, then you find out, okay, what what can they do themselves? How can I support them in a way that uh, that their self management is is as uh, uh, good as possible? And then what do we need to support that? And this is a process. You, you need to go through. So you can say at the first moment, okay, my estimation is this or that. But if people are able to um, um, to do things again themselves, um, that's what you learn in time. Yeah. So, and and with, with this knowledge, because I am, a, I am a community nurse myself, with this knowledge, I said, okay, we are going to show that uh, we are not uh, having conflicts with what is decided by the institute, and we even offer the institute to do the assessment, and that they can say we agree or we don't agree. So more or less, so we took over, and in a f- in a few years' time, we even um, how, how you, you if somebody tried to do that in Denmark to take over, you wouldn't get any public. I assume you. You get how, how does the system work in in the Netherlands? Uh, is it uh, is it taxpayer financed or is it insurance? Is it out of pocket? At the moment uh, we started, it was um, uh, state finance, okay. a bit similar like uh, like in Denmark. Um, in two thousand fifteen, it became part of the health insurance. A, and a private uh, health insurance or a public? It's it's a private health insurance, but. It works almost like public because everybody uh, needs uh, uh, health insurance. So, okay, so you have an agreement with the health insurance that yeah. you run things yourselves. And why do they agree to that? Aren't they afraid that you're going to end up spending more money? After all, you want to employ more nurses, and if you could just decide to, yeah. well, but my from the start, my assumption was that by working this way the costs would reduce because you are working in a more effective way focusing on self-support. So there's a very clear vision behind it. Mm. So we said, okay, these nurses, their skills, uh, they should use them in, 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 the, in the most uh, optimal way. And if they do that, then uh, one, uh, some of the patients need a shorter period of care so I was convinced that this would happen. And a lot of patients need less care uh, because we try to learn the environment, how to deal with it. Right. We, we try to learn the, the patient how to deal with it. So we avoid a necessary cost. My, my biggest frustration was about the waste, the waste in the system, because I saw that a lot of things were done with patients, which, in my opinion, from a professional and ethical perspective was not needed could you give so, an example of that oh yeah it's it's you know it's very easy to make people depending on you so if you are coming in every few times a week and you take care for a patient and you don't focus on on uh, mobilizing people 
training people. Uh, for example, when somebody has diabetes, then it's important that they learn to deal with this diabetes, that they can uh, not only take the insulin themselves, but that they are also aware that uh, mobilization, but also weight uh, and other things are very important to have less um, complications with, with diabetes. So all these different aspects. So, so what we saw that this institute was dividing the time on different products, and that's a bit similar as what I see in, in Denmark. Yes, and then yeah. you, say you have so much time to spend on it. And then you get a focus on the time. But I said, no, the focus should be on solving the problem. Right. So I said to all the, 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 the teams, do work from, from this vision. Let's, let's create, when it's possible, let's create independency for the patient, being adaptive in what's needed, and, and try to all the time evaluate if what you're doing is still needed. So this and needed... An amazing win-win, isn't it? Because yeah. who wouldn't prefer to be independent? This, yeah. So the the assumption in the, in the with the politicians in Holland at that moment was that people want as much care as possible. <laughs> and I said yeah. that's not true because oh. it it's, it makes your life so complicated when you are waiting all the time for somebody who was coming in your house, and when it's fragmented, mm. when you, when different people were coming for different tasks. Then you know you ha sometimes you have thirty, forty different people coming in your house in one time and in one month time. So this is a big burden for people. Yeah. But to understand the advantage of being independent and not uh, needing unnecessary help. That's but but then if you build a relationship, then it's very important that these professionals, healthcare professionals, have a certain vision. Um, in in making people as much as possible independent, so and in, and systems like I see in many countries in Europe, systems tend to uh, based on on, on uh, control mechanisms. They tend to, they want to to tell people what they are allowed to do, and I said it's crazy in my opinion if you just trust the nurses that they want to do good things and monitor the results because it's not just it's not just uh, spending all the money without knowing what they're doing no my idea was we should know more about what they're doing and right. what the results are about what they're doing and then we can measure it we can you know it's very easy to measure the costs per client per year so i said if we do this right then we will see that the costs per client per year will decrease Mm. So that's what we did in 2009 was the first research. So at that moment we had a, I think three, 400 teams like that. So four, three, 4,000 people. And then Ernst and Young did a big research and they described what we were doing. And they showed uh, also to the government <clears throat> that by working this way, we saved 40% of the hours, 40%. So it's not just a little bit. 40%. 40%. So it's, it's, a, it's it, this document, is an, it's, you can find it on the internet. It's in English. So also the Danish people can read it. Um, so, but that was in, in 2009, 2010. There was a second research done by KPMG, 2014. 
so we were then four years, I think we were 8,000 people at that moment. Uh, at that moment, they showed um, they, the, the government, the, the Ministry uh, of Health uh, themselves uh, ordered uh, uh, KPMG to do this research. So it was done based, and it was a, a, a comparative study on the average hours spent per uh, patient per year. And the average in Holland at that moment was 168. And in Buurtzorg at that moment, we spent around 108. 60 hours less, which means 35%, because most organizations in time were more and more adopting the principles of Buurtzorg. So yeah. you saw in time that the differences became smaller, but mm. still in 2014, it was still 35%. And you know, it, so in it, sorry to interrupt, but in in, uh, in a Danish context, that would be interpreted as you being forty or thirty five percent worse. Because, uh, no. because I know you're not, but that would be. I mean, that would be how they would interpret. They would say, "Well, you're delivering thirty five percent less hours. That means that you're thirty five percent worse. Your your no, service no. service level is thirty five percent lower." Yeah. That, that, that would be the logic of, no, no, but of the political system. Uh, I, I, can, I, can, I can imagine, but what we did was not only measure the hours, we also measured the, the uh, satisfaction of the patient. So okay, so that's how you, that's how you dealt had, with that. Course. But we, uh, what I wanted to show was that you had results on uh, three different uh, uh, topics. One on the costs, second on the satisfaction of the patient. So my idea was if you create more continuity, because the small teams create a lot of continuity in the relationship between the patient and, and, and the nurse. So what's a bit start, like the old fashioned doctor patient relationship that, that yeah. that's also my, my assumption is my, my, uh, if, if you want to build a trustful relationship, there should be continuity in the relationship. So right. if there are too many people involved, it's very difficult. To, to catch and it's also about knowledge if there are not too many people you have more knowledge about the situation and you could you can do the right things so what we've shown and that was in also around 2009 i think that was a research on satisfaction and from from that moment we could show that the second the satisfaction was significant higher than the average in holland we had mm -hmm. a as we still have nine point two, 9.3 on a, on a scale of 10. And the average in Holland is around eight. So what you see is that costs went down, satisfaction went up. And then the third one was the satisfaction of the nurses. So we had a big mm -hmm. problem with, with nurses who were frustrated about the system. A lot of nurses yeah. quit their jobs because of all the rules and all the, 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 the regulations they had to deal with, all the bureaucracy, so many times spending on time writing and, and all these other silly things. So what we said, no, we are going to reduce the time you have to write down. We, we build, build an IT system which takes care for the uh, bureaucracy. Um, and we will ask you to do what you think you should do. So you should be satisfied about the things you're doing every day with your patients right. based, based on a professional ethical uh, principle. Yes. Uh, what we saw was that from 
also in I think in 2010 uh, we did the first um, um, uh, research on satisfaction of the nurses and and from that moment we became the best employer of Holland so we had the highest rates on not that just not, not just just in the care uh, sector but not in general no. no in general wow. so also the the uh, for example I remember one of the first things it was between the KLM and Buurtzorg. Okay. So, and I said, we fly, we fly higher than the KLM. <laughs> what about, I guess some people would, uh, especially in the healthcare sector, would argue that uh, patient satisfaction is not an objective measure. Do you have objectives? What about hospitalizations, for instance? I know, of course. I, I but it, it was a point you made um, uh, that it was not only the costs and if if the people said that's, that in Denmark they would say it's it's worse because you deliver less hours. Um, I think satisfaction is important. So I think so it, do I. it's it's important how people perceive what they get and that they are satisfied about how you are dealing with their problems. So. I'm I'm very uh, in favor of for of uh, this uh, shared decision making. So so people should be in 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 control. So the patients should feel that they have control on what's happening with with them uh, done by by healthcare professionals. So this, I agree with you completely. I'm just saying, uh, may, are there um, yeah yeah but ob objective I, measures about the the the, the quality of of the care as well. That's the other thing, because I said. Um, at the moment we started, we only had knowledge about products and time spent on patients. That was the only thing. I said, what, it should be more knowledge-driven, so we need uh, more information about what is the result of what we are doing. So we said, we need to measure the, uh, the interventions and the results of the interventions. So we started to using the Omaha system, which is a a client classification system that you say, okay, these are the problems. This is what we do with the problems. And these are the results of what we have been doing. And, and this is all digit, digitalized. So this, uh, this is the way we work with the care plans. So it's all in our IT system. So the nurses write down, okay, uh, I've been working with these patients and these are the main problems. This is what we are going to do about, and these are uh, the results. So we can measure it in, in quality. So we can, for example, with the diabetes patient I just mentioned, I said, if you, if you know more about diabetes, uh, it probably will have an uh, impact on your behavior. So what we measure is um, knowledge and behavior. So we said the first time we come at a situation, we said, okay, this is uh, three out of five, but it can be five out of five. So, and then yeah. when it's five out of five, then patients can deal in a better way with their own circumstances. So this is what we measure. And then we can also connect it with the quantity. So then we can say, by doing this, we see that we see a reduction of the hours. So we can see that the, uh, the, the independence and the self-management increases, uh, the cost decreases, uh, so the knowledge and behavior um, are having a positive uh, development. Okay. So you're measuring quite a lot. We're, we're measuring more than what was done in the old system. So we said yeah. that the focus, and that's very important, the focus is 
that we measure things which are also important for the nurses to know. So we yeah. ask the nurses, so it's not seen as bureaucracy, but it's seen as knowledge creation. So they, they create knowledge about what they're doing so they can reflect on, okay, are we, are we using the highest standards as a team? Do we have enough knowledge about dementia? Do we have enough knowledge about all these chronic diseases we meet in our daily work? And if we don't, how can we improve it? So there is a continuous learning process in these teams based on reflections on their daily work supported by the things we measure. The way I see it, um, what you're, what you've done is you uh, you've you've given all these you've given these teams uh, freedom, um, and that's within a framework of accountability. Yeah, it's it's always uh, you know autonomy, uh, and and I, I would say we don't take away the freedom. So it's not giving the freedom, but not taking it away. Create an environment. Good point. Where you where you um, say, okay, this autonomy is very important. So the freedom to decide is very important. And autonomy comes with accountability. So you have to, and, and people want to be accountable for what they're doing. But they also want to have the space to decide on what they're doing. So this, this, these two things go, go together. Yeah. So, and everybody's accountable. In, in what way? To whom? To each other and to the patient. So, so, and to, and, so, and, so patients have access to all this information as well? If they want. They, yeah. they, it's, it's not... Uh, the, and it's an interesting thing because what we started, I think, four or five years ago is to give also patients access uh, to the, the same system as where the nurses are working in. So we said, if you can create communities... But it's more from a perspective of um, sharing um, ideas, expectations, also for families. So imagine that the uh, family lives far away, uh, son lives in Australia and wants to be involved with the care plan of, of their father or mother. Then it's when you make it digital, it's possible. So yeah. we, we work a lot with families so that families can also be involved in in discussing what what is needed who can contribute who can how can we be aligned as much as possible and how can we make this a process which is um a, a collective thing so then it's not delivering an activity no it's about what's happening in this context what what was the history of this person and how can we connect with the things which are very important for this person person what is the coping strategy how in it's not the diagnosis uh, usually which makes uh, the difference. It, it's about how you deal with the diagnosis. Yeah. So the one person with rheumatism acts very different than another person with rheumatism. So, so you have to understand what is rheumatism still, but you also have to understand that there are different coping strategies and that uh, as a nurse, you find your own way in how to deal with it in this context with this person with this family mm -hmm. so all this data uh creates um a it creates information about how yeah. individual nurses are performing and how teams are performing yeah and presumably there are, there are some differences there some perform better than others how how does how's that information used 
Um, from the start, we said uh, we are going to ask the nurses what kind of information is useful for them to reflect on. And they said, okay, it's good that we have um, an, an idea about the differences in different patient groups. Um, it, it depends on some, some, in some reasons. They have more patients who are discharged from hospital. Some teams have more patients with chronic diseases. Uh, some, patient, uh, some teams have more uh, patients who are terminally ill. So you have to understand what are the different patients groups we're dealing with. Then we created kind of a dashboard uh, that we can see uh, how they are doing, um, what are the results of these uh, activities they're doing compared with other teams. So we have the average of, of Buurtzorg and they can see oh, how are we doing and, and can we understand what we're doing. And if we're, right. if we're not satisfied, how can we improve what we're doing? So it's, it's all all the time trying to, not, not putting pressure on what they should do. They should reflect themselves and ask themselves, okay, are we doing the right things? Uh, are we happy about our results? Mm. So we have a few guidelines. So we say uh, the teams are working within uh, three main guidelines. Mm. One is we want to have the highest quality. So quality is very important. And then we... And we say the quality is about different things. It's about uh, one satisfaction, but also the effectiveness of our interventions. So we have the professional view on quality and we have the experience of the patient. So we connect these two. Uh, then uh, we want the teams to be happy about the way they collaborate with each other. So we have some ideas about collaboration and we want to, uh, also that the nurses are also accountable for the financial part. Toby said, every team has to understand that um, the percentage of their their work needs to be billable. Mm. That's, so that's the third one. So these three guidelines, uh, within these guidelines, they organize their daily work, they make their routes, their, their scheduling, uh, they they decide on 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 how they how much time they spend on their meetings, and so on. But that's all the decisions made by the teams themselves. So if you you will always have uh, by the nature of things uh, ten ten percent of teams that are top performers and ten percent of teams that are are, are bottom performers. Uh, do do you centrally do anything when you have a team that's not that's you know in in, in the lower 10 percent, for instance yes um we as uh, when we started we were uh, asking ourselves what do we need to support the teams when things are not going well yep. and, uh, and based on that idea we developed the role of a coach so we said um okay there 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 will be times that it can be difficult for a team uh you know when sometimes when when several team members are ill for a while. Then the pressure in the team mm. goes up and, and sometimes they can't solve it themselves. So then they can ask for support by, by a coach. The coach is trying to find ways to get a bit the team that how they can solve their problems. And then you see that after, after a while they go up again. So, and then I agree with this 10%. It's usually this 10% of the team's which are struggling a bit uh, and need some some extra attention um, support, and that's given by the coaches. Okay, so uh, 
coaches, are they employees in the central administration or do you hire them in? No, the, we have um, on 45 teams, we have one coach who's living in that region uh, and who is supportive to the, the teams in that region. So, okay, okay. So they're regional coaches um, and they are connected with each other. So they, they reflect on the things they meet in teams and are, are supporting each other on, on, on difficult cases because mm -hmm. it's usually the difficult situations when it comes to the coach. So it's also a, a continuous, continuous uh, developing pattern. So, yeah. we learn. so the coach now has learned from what we what we did in the past yeah so i can see that yeah good point yeah so um some i, I assume sometimes there'll be a team where there's an employee that they're not happy with uh you know they try coaching they they uh, you know for some for some reason it doesn't work out i'll be very surprised that that didn't happen i've i've hired a lot of people and some even though i consider myself reasonably good at hiring i sometimes hire people that i have to let go again and and yeah. it's always painful uh it's never pleasant how 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 how's that dealt with is that the team itself that does that or or the, do you do that centrally no the, the the teams are hiring their own colleagues um and they're evaluating each other so uh, when when they when they find out that after a while it's not working because of the personality or, or lack of skills or whatever yeah then uh, usually they discuss it with this team member and then when they think of oh, this is not going to work, uh, sometimes they ask for support for the coach and then the coach starts this process together with this uh, person to find out perhaps she could work in another team, which is because sometimes it's personalities together. It's not always about the skills. Mm. Um, and then they try another team. Um, and, and usually then we start discussion about, okay, when it's not working, how can we deal with it in a way that uh, the, 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 the nurses are still satisfied about the way they are leaving Buurtzorg? Yeah. So we, we want them that, that we say, okay, uh, nobody wants to stay if you are struggling uh, with, with all kinds of difficulties in a team because it's frustration. Frustration is also with the person who, who is not, not seen as, 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 a, as a good colleague. Uh, so then we find ways. Sometimes we ask, perhaps you should do an education uh, for a few years, and then you can come back if you. Um, and sometimes we try to find another job at another place with a doctor or a GP. Sure, I think yeah. the the central thing here that's really interesting and different from what you see, certainly in Denmark, is is that it's the team itself that makes the decision, and and in yeah. theory, and they they and as I hear you also often in practice, they they do it themselves without really involving uh, the, the central organization. Yeah. Um, uh, that's, um, that's interesting. How, how big is uh, the, uh, the uh, central administrative uh, unit at uh, Bürtzog in, in Holland? Uh, yes, when you started, you said we have uh, 10,000 uh, nurses, but we have also 5,000 care workers. Um, so we have, an, uh, separate, we have different uh, parts of the organization. Yeah, um, we are delivering 
the community healthcare, and there are 10,000 nurses. We have uh, the uh, domestic care part with 5,000 care workers, and we have several uh, small parts. But in total, we have around 50 people at the uh, back office. So these 50 people are taking care for the salaries, for the billing, for the administration, for the contracts, uh, and for the compliance. So, so this is what we um, we have for support. So we have these coaches. So we have around uh, for for Buurtzorg, we have 22 coaches. For Buurtdiensten, uh, which is this domestic care part, we have also uh, around 20, I think 25 uh, coaches. Um, so, so these are the people uh, in you can say the central organization. So it's uh, around, I think, in total around 100 who are doing supportive activities on on 15,000 people. So that's less than one percent. That's less than one percent. Yeah. In in Denmark, the uh, it's about 16 to 20 percent. Yes, I can I imagine. Mean, in Holland, it, it's it's similar that if you yeah. have if you have a management structure, and you if you have the traditional HR departments, uh, financial departments, IT departments, and so on, then uh, it easily comes to <laughs> 20, even 25%. Hmm. So, so our idea was, uh, if, if you look at the, the problems of, for the future, if you look at the, demo, the uh, demography, if you look at the, the available capacity, yeah. uh, then we, knew, we need to do things in a different way. Yeah. So and also I had this um, conferences in Denmark a few weeks ago, uh, and then people said to me, "I think we have twenty to twenty-five percent people working in in overhead uh, roles." And then I said, "Perhaps uh, one of the one of the topics also in Holland is that how can we use this capacity for taking care for people?" So we have at exactly. The we have yeah. at the moment, I think we have six, seven hundred people who have done other jobs before and are now following an education as a nurse. Mm-hmm. Some of them are 50 plus, uh, but they are very motivated to become a nurse. At, uh, and they said mm-hmm. all those experiences we had in the past can contribute to what we are going to do. And, and the teams are very happy with this uh, senior people. Uh, who are now doing an, another education. So, so from a system perspective, it would be good to say, okay, what kind of solutions can we think of if we say how to deal with dem- demography and capacity? Uh, how can we deal with the financial part? So if, if, I, if I know, if I understand well, then Denmark um, uh, has a system where the, uh, the personal care and the nursing care are, are split. So we, we yes, we, it, it, it can be split. Uh, so we, so the, the private providers uh, don't normally provide any nursing. Yeah. So so we said we we combined it. We tried to uh, if you want to deliver uh, this this uh, community care from a holistic perspective, then and you you can combine it. Then it has also a, a positive effect on the capacity. So, but then you have to look at it from a system perspective. Yeah. So, and and because when you're in the community and you have the responsibility for this part, then you will defend this part. 
So, and my my idea was, if you look at it from the patient perspective, and and what what do we want to achieve as as a healthcare system in Denmark? Then you have other options, other ideas, and and I, but I think it's very interesting because I have these discussions in a lot of countries. Is how can you how can you change the payment system in a way that is supporting the results for the patients? Yes, that is central. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. a, I'm an economist, so it, that's all. <laughs> incentives. It's not the only thing. Yeah, it's certainly not the only thing. Your system would not work if yeah. the nurses didn't have this uh, pride in what they're doing. Yeah. That, that's that's essential. But but yeah. you can destroy that with bad incentives. But I'm, I'm and, and, because I, I also look at it from an economical perspective. So I, I should also have become an economist. I was. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I listened to some podcasts. You, you have a very interesting story. The only reason why I don't delve into that is that uh, I want, I want, I want this the, the the limited time we have together. I want to talk about how how the system actually works and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. pick your brain well, no, on, on on that. But the, but then the, you should not underestimate the economical um, uh, idea behind it. So my concern was if we go on like this, that it uh, for the coming 10, 15 years, the accessibility uh, and the availability of community healthcare would decrease and would uh, the, the, also the quality would would decrease. So, so my idea was the costs are going up too fast. Mm. So we have to find ways to decrease the cost and the pressure on the capacity. Yeah. And for me, that's an economical uh, issue. Yeah. But it's also an entrepreneurial activity. <laughs> going back to what I said in the beginning, yeah. that's what entrepreneurs often do, reduce costs, finding innovative ways to reduce costs mm -hmm. while uh, increasing quality. So I have a few questions, and we don't have that much time left. Uh, you know, do stop me if I go uh, too, too far, and we'll just cut that out. Um, so, what I'm curious about: how could Birdsong grow that fast? So, in 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 Denmark, if you're a private provider of of uh, um, healthcare, you will be located in one municipality and the other municipality would not necessarily use you. Uh, and um, it is very difficult to spread quickly. I, I, how does how is that possible? I mean, you, you went from one team to uh, basically a thousand teams, I, I assume, if, if they're an average of, of 10, and that's just of nurses, then you have the other uh, care workers on top of that. How's that possible within 15 years? Yeah, it, 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 ten years. <laughs> ten years. It was uh, now in the beginning. Uh, it was seen as a kind of an experiment. So um, in two thousand seven, we had uh, around twelve teams over the country, um, and it was it was possible because of the Dutch system. So I could get agreements in different regions. So, so not it was not with municipalities, but with regional. Uh, care offices, but uh, uh, within the state funding. So and you did you did need agreements with regions. It wasn't just that patients could pick you, just like that. No, all no, over the country. I need. In Holland, we have thirty-two regions, and I need agreements with all these regions. Okay. So, so, so why why were they why were they so willing to make agreements with you? weren't they providers themselves? Didn't they see you as competition? Uh, there were providers, but at that moment in 2007, 
uh, there was a lot of frustration and dissatisfaction, and I wanted to ex give access to new innovative providers. So there was a there was a search for okay, um, we want freedom of choice, but you also want to uh, reduce costs. So the idea, but reducing costs was focusing more on uh, reducing prices, prices per hour. And I said, no, you should focus on costs per, per client per year. Yeah, if you, exactly. If you reduce, if you reduce the, the price per hour, probably the people won't do the things, won't do the things anymore which are needed uh, to make it um, more cost effective on, on, on the perspective of a longer time. So what I said is if, if you do the right things with the right education level, then perhaps it's more uh, expensive per hour, but the costs per client will go down. And that's what we've shown all, the, all throughout the years. Yeah. So, and, that, and then uh, even uh, the law, they changed, the Minister of Health changed the law in that this, this assessment institute that I talked about in the beginning uh, was um, uh, moving <laughs> and the nurses... The nurses, by law, were allowed to decide on the amount of, of time they need to spend on patients. Hmm. How was the initial reaction by nurses unions uh, or Denmark? the nurses union in, in, um, in Holland? No, in Holland. I, it was very interesting because I said uh, I want to uh, increase uh, the uh, satisfaction of the nurses and I want to focus on their development. And and but I had a discussion with the union that they said, uh, yeah, but what about the uh, the um, the secondary um, things in work like salary and and other things? I said we also should increase them. So, <laughs> so we didn't had because we paid more in the beginning. We paid more than the average home care organization in Holland. So we said, I uh, I was not happy with. The, uh, this, the, the, the way that the union was uh, uh, getting the agreements. I said, we need to do more. And at the moment, we are in the same position in Holland. I said, we are going to, uh, next year, we're going to scale all the different uh, roles we have and put them in, in, in a higher scale. So it will, it will take some money, of course, mm. but we will find the ways to deal with it. So the, the burden, the pressure is coming up because of the, demo, the, the, the uh, demography. And you're, uh, in, you're increasing the productivity of the nurses by allowing them to, be, to, to use their yeah. skills in a, in, a much more, yeah. in a much better way. I see, I see. Well, two, if you increase the productivity of a worker, you can also increase their wage without increasing cost. No, but that's 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 one of the things we're doing. So um, we, uh, as I already said, we decrease the hours every year. So that's that's on a system level that gives a lot of uh, uh, um, uh, opportunities for 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 the country, uh, for the whole country. The other thing we're doing is by by changing the patterns and and for example, uh, we pay a lot of attention on prevention. So we said we have to move from um, the, the delivering uh, activities to prevention. How can we prevent that people need that? Teams are training, doing all kinds of experiments. And my idea is that if we focus more on prevention, it's not 
and you can do it on uh, in the afternoon, for example. It's not uh, as I said, taking care for patients usually is done in the morning. Then you can do this in the afternoon, and when you have this good combination of things, the productivity will increase. That's that's my assumption for the coming. Yeah, yeah. I read somewhere that you, um, for instance, if if you make new decisions about uh, how overtime pay should be uh, structured you you write a blog uh, and all your your nurses or care workers can comment on that and then you often make a decision within 24 hours on, on how to change that you know it's, it's yeah. um so if everybody agrees it's it's easy if yeah. somebody disagrees you can have discussion and you can change it a little bit and that's it yeah. And that, that that's interesting as a management tool in itself. But what it made me, me think about was how do how does the salary system actually work in, in Denmark? You couldn't do that. You have the union that negotiates with the uh, the municipalities, and that creates the wage structure. And you can't change that. No, but that's that's the starting point. So so we also have disagreements in Holland, and we say that's that's what we agree on. But then you can do extra things. So okay. and, and and then we we it's not only the blogs, but also I have um, every few months I have a I invite people to talk about topics on a on a more or less an organizational level. So they I want to invite them to say, okay, what are the topics you can't deal with in your team, mm. and should be kind of a guideline on on a, a national level. Uh, for example. Uh, the availability in the night was one of the topics. So we said the teams are 24 hours available. Um, that doesn't mean that they are working, they're sleeping usually, but it is possible that they got a question in the night or a request. Yeah. So then we sit together, we said, uh, and then I ask a group of nurses who are uh, representing uh, teams uh, to give an advice. So and then they say, okay, we we think that this uh, this payment for uh, having this in the night is reasonable. So and then okay, so then we take over, and that's then that's the the topic. So this is the way we, because it's it's important that um, people are feel that it's a that's a serious topic which can be addressed by anybody, and that uh, there is an answer coming out which is connected with how they feel it in their daily work. Right. Okay. Sounds like a great organization. That, but I, I think there'd be, I, I know we have to finish, but just one last question. It's okay. Yeah. Um, there, there would be, I can imagine what kinds of barriers there would be to implementing a truly uh, Birchrock E uh, system in, in, in Denmark. So we'll have, Resistance from the bureaucracy, uh, that the 16, 20% or the 25, as you even claim it might be, who would become redundant in this system. Mm -hmm. uh, there would be cultural resistance from having a, a private provider come in uh, in, in this manner um, and a cultural resistance to benchmarking. Uh, the information you mentioned that you have available, in Denmark, it's hard even to find out what the total costs are in a municipality of, mm. of, of care for the elderly. Yeah. We sometimes try to find that out and it's actually quite difficult yeah. given the way accounts are made. 
So there's cult cultural resistance to benchmarking and it's, it's certainly to making that information available to the general public. Yeah. Uh, how have you dealt with all that? And how would you recommend that we deal with that in Denmark to yeah. be able to create this change? No, I, I understand. I think I've been uh, enough to Denmark to understand this, um, the differences. Um, and I think the only way I, I, I can think of is that we find a way to, to, to deal with this in a dialogue. So we need just to have an open discussion. And I, you know, for me, the mentality in Denmark is very open. Yeah. So, so there is, there isn't, it's not a taboo. It's perhaps the, I understand that the public and private part, but what I said in Holland is that uh, we started a private organization, they're all private, to act public. Yeah. So, so I see that we are, we are serving the public cause. So we are not for profit. Um, and we created a kind of a public space in a private environment. And I would like to discuss this with, with municipalities, because for me, it's not about public or private. It's about how can we build sustainable ways of dealing with the problems of vulnerable people? And how can we do it in a way that we use the capacity as effective as possible? Yeah. And so there are general topics, and I understand the sensitivity on, 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 on these topics. And, and I think they have a big value because I agree with them. So, and then it's not that we are, uh, uh, have, have different ideas about it. It's only the history and the culture and the way it's organized at this moment, which, which creates this kind of tension in when you talk about this topic. But, yeah. but always with every topic I had in Holland, I started the dialogue. I just, it's about the content. What do you want to achieve? How does it work? Uh, and how can you come together with this topic? So I, I'm, I'm really very optimistic about uh, Denmark and, and, and everything what's, what's going on. And let's try to find ways to solve these, these, these topics and issues. I hope you're right. Uh, you have really created an amazing organization and a way in which it has challenged my uh, preju prejudices and uh, ideas is I would have thought initially that a nonprofit organization would not have the incentive to expand that quickly and to, to scale up. And it's, um, that has made me rethink, I'm, you know, I'm a free market guy and I like, I like profit, but that's really made me rethink some of my ideas about what's possible in a, in a nonprofit model. And that's very, very inspiring. And I, I salute you for the work you've done. And I really hope that we can spread this around the world. Thank you, Joost Blog, for, for joining uh, my, my podcast. Is there any final thoughts you want to, uh, to deliver? No, I think it's, uh, for me, it's not about profit of non-profit. Non I think it's creating a society where um, you can use the different uh, elements of, of entrepreneurial things, but also taking care for the, for the public part. For me, yeah. there needs to be a balance in both. So. I agree. Profit is not the um, is not the aim. It's it's a means. But in this case, the means wasn't needed, and uh, yeah. that's very very interesting. Thank you, Joost de Blok, for being part of my podcast. You're welcome, Martin. This was the Copenhagen Liberty Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we would appreciate an honest review in your podcast app to help others find the show. Thank you for listening.